Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for January the 16th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news that you need to know from around the industry. Five days a week, Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube and podcast services around the world. So if you enjoy the show, you like what you see, be sure to hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. But today we have some very big news in the Fortnite world because Ninja is the first streamer to get his official Fortnite skin, but more are on the way. It looks pretty good, I won't even lie. As somebody who does not play Fortnite, it's a good looking skin. But on top of that, the Epic Games Store has avoided review bombing by adding open critic integration, finally introducing some kind of review system. Mobile gaming is projected to surpass $100 billion in spend in 2020. Quantic Dream's David Cage is teasing a lot of surprises for 2020. And finally, everybody can now access the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order pre-order bonuses. It's a good game that I'm playing through right now. It's nice to be able to have those without having pre-ordered the game. Uh, but that is our lineup for today's show, and as always, I hope you enjoy. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Ninja has an official Fortnite skin now. You can play as the Fortnite star himself soon, and of course, we're talking to PC Gamer to see when it's coming out and how to get it. It was inevitable. There's an official Fortnite Ninja skin now. Ninja, the blue-haired king of streaming, whose name is practically synonymous with Fortnite, finally has a little piece of himself in-game. Well, all of himself from the looks of it. Ninja debuted his first official skin on Twitter on Wednesday, and soon you will be able to play as the man himself. Quote, I've dreamt of having a skin in Fortnite since I started playing the game, Ninja tweeted out Wednesday morning. Today, my dream becomes reality. To see all the looks that came with the skin, scroll down, and oh, we will. But of course, how do we get the Ninja Fortnite skin? Cries the group of 10,000 12 to 13 year olds. According to Ninja's tweet on the matter, his official skin will be available as part of the new Icon series. To get the skin, you will need to log into the Epic Games Store. According to Ninja, although we have to assume it will be the Fortnite item shop, between the hours of 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. Central Time on Thursday, January the 16th. That's today! Ninja said on stream that the skin will be available from then until sometime on January the 19th. Oddly, there is no confirmation of how many V-Bucks Ninja's skin and items will cost, but considering this is a full gear set, we are going to guess this will run you at least 1,500 V-Bucks, possibly up to 2,000, based on past special skins. Ninja is not the only one getting some special gear made in their image in Fortnite. According to Epic's blog post, more collaborations are on the way, including four streamers like Loserfruit and the Gref G. Here is what appears to be a style of the skin without the face mask, showing off Ninja's conventionally handsome mug, and of course, there you have it, that is. In fact, Ninja, and there are two other styles that sort of shroud Ninja's eyes with or without a hood, which I assume is meant to look like his brand's logo, and I will say, it certainly does. But of course, you can check out Ninja's live reaction via his YouTube channel, and on top of that, besides the skins, Ninja is also getting his own dual katanas pickaxe, Ninja's edge back bling, and a Ninja-style emote. Of course, that is the famous pon-pon that has pretty much, uh, you know, spread virally on Twitter and other platforms since he began doing that when he wins and things like that. Uh, but very cool to see. I'm glad that the creators that have helped Fortnite uh, rise to the top are finally getting some kind of recognition within the game itself because Fortnite would not be in the place that it's currently in uh, without the support of content creators and streamers. It has elevated the game to a point that it is the new Minecraft, and I've been saying that for a very long time, but 
For a lot of kids and a lot of people that just like playing games, Fortnite has become their go-to default game. And that's something that's kind of hard to tap into whenever there are so many other well-established franchises and entries that are pretty much dominant for a lot of people that just want to sit down and play a game at the end of the day. And so now Ninja is getting honored. Of course, the Icon series is coming out soon uh, that is going to be honoring more and more streamers. Of course, I asked the question on Twitter, if Courage JD and Tim the Tatman get their own in-game Fortnite icon gear sets, will they have bigger hitboxes? It's a legitimate question, uh, but no, I digress. It's very cool to see they're finally getting in there and showing support for the creators that have showed so much support over the years. And by all means, I totally support this. My big question here is what is the revenue split like? Because of course there is the in-game shop where you can use code, whatever it might be for whatever streamer. Streamer, oh, we're getting a little bit uh, uh, New Englandy. You can, you can log in, get your streamer name, and, and you can give them some cash through your purchase. Uh, but is there a 50-50 split with the skins? What is the situation? Is it 75-25? Uh, I'm just curious as to how that revenue is being distributed. But that's a topic for another day, probably one that we'll never actually be able to see. But I would say that's probably why this has taken so long, is because there's a lot of paperwork that goes in to uh, getting somebody's image, using it in-game, talking about revenue splits. That take some time. But if you did want to get Ninja's official skin, it goes live today again between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. Central Time, and then it goes until January the 16th. Just kidding, the 19th. Uh, but the Epic Games Store has avoided review bombing by adding open critic integration. Review aggregation site will display how many critics recommend purchase on each title store page. The Epic Games Store finally has a games rating system, but it is not, nor is it ever likely to be, the user review system some consumers have been asking for since the marketplace launched. Epic has instead opted to integrate aggregated ratings from Open Critic with links to critic reviews on professional media sites and games blogs. Unlike Metacritic, which displays the average score across all reviews, Open Critic tells users how many critics recommended purchasing the game in question. In the site, Let's give an example. Remedies Control is recommended by 91% of critics. According to the site's FAQs, the game is recommended if the critic specifies this when uploading the review's metadata to OpenCritic. If the numeric score is given above a certain threshold set by the publication or the non-numeric rating clearly marks it so. For example, Eurogamer's recommended or essential ratings. One of the many criticisms against the Epic Games Store has been the lack of reviews or ratings, while market leader Steam offers both the Metacritic score and user reviews. However, Epic and its CEO Tim Sweeney have been adamant about not allowing user reviews on its marketplace. When discussing the possibility of a review system based on that of Unreal Engine Marketplace last year, Sweeney emphasized that it would be an opt-in because review bombing and other gaming in system is real problem. Review bombing has been particularly problematic on Steam over the years, but Valve finally took steps to tackle this last year, ironically when Borderlands titles became the latest to be attacked over Epic Game Store exclusivity. So this is cool. My big question here is, will it muddy the understanding for a lot of consumers? Because whenever I see something that says 91%, uh, I think that is a 91 out of 100, when in reality, it's 91% of critics recommended. It could also be asked, is there really a difference? Because a 91 being recommended by critics or a 91 score overall, both pretty good ratings. Uh, so that does show that something is a good game. Ultimately, Open Critic is cool. It's good integration. And I think that it does avoid review bombing altogether. Now, Steam still experiences review bombing, but it does make it known that that has happened.
it will tell you that there was a sharp spike in negative reviews uh, on X date and then you can go on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you go and you can figure out what happened on that specific date and say, oh, that person invested in X company. That's why there's so many negative reviews. Uh, and so I think this is a good way to go about uh, navigating that kind of tricky territory of adding a review system. But on top of that, making sure that it does reflect the quality of the game and not what's happening in the social space, because that's very, very imperative. A bad company can make a good game. Some people don't want to support the bad company, but it's still a good game. And so that should be reflected, in my opinion, on the store page if you're putting ratings at all. Uh, but I digress, if you were wanting any kind of review system on the Epic Games Store, Open Critic Integration is now live on the platform. However, mobile gaming is projected to surpass $100 billion in spend in 2020. Mobile gaming continued to grow in 2019, with App Annie predicting the industry is on track to surpass $100 billion in revenue across all mobile app stores in 2020. According to its State of Mobile 2020 report, mobile gaming spend neared $90 billion in 2019 and made up 56% of all gaming spending last year. Mobile game spending was 2.4 times that of spending on PC and Mac and 2.9 times that on console. In total, App Annie found 1,121 mobile games that brought in over $5 million and 140 games that brought in over $100 million. Let's talk about that for just one second. I normally read through the article and then return, but there are 1,121 mobile games that have brought in each over $5 million and 140 games individually that have brought in more than $100 million a piece. That is insane. By downloads, casual arcade games made up 47% of all mobile game downloads, with casual puzzle games making up 21%. Overall, all casual games made up 82% of all mobile game downloads. But despite only making up 18% of all downloads, core games made up 55% of time spent in them. Broken down, action games took up 38% of the total, RPGs made up 7%, and other genres were 10%, but core games also made up 76% of spend led by RPGs with 38% of the total. App Annie also provided the following breakdown of top games by consumer spend by country. And of course, you can see that chart here, uh, which does show that in the United States, Coinmaster is the number one with consumer spend, followed by PUBG Mobile, Matchington Mansion, Homescapes, and Game of Thrones Conquest. And of course, you can check out the entire breakdown if you did want to see exactly what people were playing and spending tons and tons and tons of money on. Really shocked that Clash of Clans isn't up there or Candy Crush. That just goes to show how some of these just get you in there and they rake in your money. Uh, but very interesting uh, figures, especially again, those uh, totals for the mobile games generating that amount of money, $5 million a piece. I mean, that is a ton of cash. Now, the thing here is that, yes, the mobile industry is healthy right now, but it's very curious to me uh, that this could all be legitimate money, that this could all be something that uh, people aren't getting addicted to games. People aren't being swindled by automatic credit card renewals. And to some degree, I'm of the mindset where, hey, if you sign up for a game, if you sign up for a subscription, if you sign up for anything, you better make sure that you read the fine print and that your credit card information is either not there or tightly controlled uh, because these companies will take advantage of somebody that just downloads a game, buys something, then deletes the game. Your data is still there. 
and it's still going to be charged if you signed up to be charged. So I would say that, uh, you know, some of this income is certainly unintentional spending, I would say. And then some of it is certainly uh, whales chunking tons and tons and tons of cash into their favorite mobile game that they play during work. Talking about you, Jessica. No, I'm just kidding. I don't work with Jessica. But um, yes, regardless, there is tons of money coming into the mobile gaming space for 2019 and tons predicted to come in 2020 with more and more people playing on their devices day by day. And of course, Apple Arcade and uh, Google's Play alternative to Apple Arcade are both coming into the mix. So it should be interesting to see if those have any kind of definitive impact on people's playing habits. However, your playing habit could include Quantic Dream's new game, if there is in fact one coming, because David Cage has teased a lot of surprises for 2020. Quantic Dream founder David Cage says 2020 will be a big year for the studio, which most recently made Detroit become human. Cage took the Twitter to tease a lot of surprises from Quantic Dreams in 2020. He says, and I quote, Okay, I'm late, but I wanted to say Happy New Year. I wish you the best for 2020. 2019 has been an amazing year for the studio, and 2020 should be even more exciting. We have a lot of surprises to come for our fans, so stay tuned, and in 2020 more than ever, be deviant. The studio did not release any new games in 2019, but they did port 2018's Detroit Become Human over to PC. The PC port does not include anything new, but it does give PC players a way to experience what games Radar's Andy Hardup called an interactive story capable of provoking genuine, honest, and varied emotions from its players without most of the cheap tricks and emotionally manipulative moments we have seen in past games. PC ports of Quantic Dreams games also include the excellent Heavy Rain and the not-as-excellent Beyond Two Souls, and as we reported back in August, Cage says the process going forward will be to release all Quantic Dream games on every available platform at launch. That means that whatever we hear out of the studio in 2020 will likely be multi-platform from the get-go. At the very least, PS4 slash PS5 and PC. Uh, that's coming from me, not Games Radar. Uh, but going back to the article, we don't have any indication that a new game is coming from David Cage and Quantic dream, but it seems very likely we will hear some announcement this year. With Detroit Become Human now almost two years old, it's unlikely it will get DLC. But beyond a new game, some exciting possibilities include a sequel to Detroit Become Human or even Heavy Rain although that would be a first for the studio. Or considering the studio's plan to go multi-platform, maybe we will see those games get Switch or Xbox One ports. I could speculate all day, the author says, but needless to say, it sounds like fans of narrative-driven games have an exciting year ahead. And indeed they do. Uh, this is a very cool game, specifically Detroit Become Human. I have not played Heavy Rain nor Beyond Two Souls, uh, but Detroit Become Human was given away for free with PlayStation Plus uh, towards July of last year, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it's a very beautiful game well-optimized on the PlayStation, then of course brought over to PC. It looks phenomenal there as well. Uh, but 2020, these teases, ooh, I'm excited. Uh, my question is, will it be a launch title on the PlayStation 5 uh, that also goes multi-platform? Because again, Quantic Dream kind of navigated the treacherous waters of getting your game on multiple platforms, and Sony said, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, so, if this is a PS5 console exclusive, that could be a pretty big seller, especially if it is either a new game or a sequel to an age-old classic like Heavy Rain, like Beyond Two Souls, like Detroit Become Human. Uh, we will have to see what happens, but I think that the PlayStation initiative at the beginning of the console generation is going to be able to showcase games, or going to be to showcase games, uh, that really showcase what the console can do, showcase the power of PlayStation 5. And if any company can push a console to its limits, it is Quantic Dream. So, hey, 
looking forward to it if anything big like that is to come. Is a Switch or Xbox One port out of the question, you ask? Not necessarily, depending on how nice Sony is playing with the other big boys. However, everyone can now access the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order pre-order bonuses. I'm playing this game right now. It's very good. A couple of technical issues here and there. Lots of frame drops, even though I'm playing on the Xbox One X. Just a poorly optimized game, but I'm hoping for some kind of patch that fixes that. However, I haven't seen anything yet, so I'm doubting we'll see anything in general. However, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order's pre-order bonuses were pretty fun. Case in point, the BD-1 skin. Not only is it a silly pun, but you get to dress up BD-1 like an adorable insect. Okay, he's also just a yellow droid, but are you going to tell us that he is not adorable? And there he is. Uh, but Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order's other pre-order bonuses also include the orange lightsaber blade color, my Jito campaign lightsaber hilt, Umbaran campaign lightsaber help, BD-1 skin, and Gold Squadron Stinger Mantha skin. All five of those were included. If you still have not finished one of last year's best games, now is the perfect time to jump back in, and I certainly will whenever I download the update and get that orange lightsaber because I'm quite tired of blue and green. I'm not quite far enough in the story to uh, get any of the other good colors. Really wanting the red one. Big fan of the Sith color scheme. Both of my PCs have red skin. I, I like red. Uh, but regardless, everyone can now access Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order pre-order bonuses. So if you don't already have them, dive in, get them, and pimp out your BD-1 and put on that new poncho. At least, well, there's no new poncho. That's unfortunate. Uh, but regardless, you can, uh, you know... You can you can uh, soup up your your set or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but that is our show for the day. I hope you guys enjoyed today's program. And if you did, be sure to drop me a like down below if you are watching on YouTube or if you are listening on podcast services. Be sure to leave me a review on your platform of choice. I would appreciate it ever so much. But I will see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report. Until then, have a phenomenal day and peace.